have been with uh, economic organizations, have been with uh, organizations that are, are very different from Guns Save Lives. Um, but the question you always ask at the beginning is, what do you care about right now? What what could make your community better? What did the people say to you when you asked that question? Um, well, we expected them to talk about concealed carry law or gun legislation, but they said jobs. So, I mean, the economy and job creation is at least on the front of pretty much everyone's mind from what we've been hearing. Right. That was the very first thing they said. It's a theme we've been hearing in other community conversations. And then they did go into public safety and the right to bear arms. So let's talk about public safety issues uh, pertaining to firearms at the moment. Obviously, the big news regarding firearms in Illinois is the upcoming deadline regarding concealed carry. Uh, by June 9th, that's the court-mandated uh, date by which the state is supposed to have passed some kind of concealed carry law or some kind of law regulating where people can carry guns in public. Um, what did Gun Safe Lives have to say about this? What did the members have to say uh, about concealed carry? Well, we were surprised that when we were talking with the, some of the people that were there, there was uh, an organizer who pulled out a fanny pack that just looked like a fanny pack that you would take around to an amusement park or something. And um, he had a gun in it with ammunition. It just wasn't loaded. So, Kimberly, you want to talk about that? Right. Too? So basically, concealed carry um, is a law that would make it legal to carry a gun on a person with bullets in it. But right now, you can carry guns on you as long as the ammunition is separated and it's in an official case, something that qualifies as a case, and this varies by county. So first of all, people are among us with guns and bullets walking around, but they're separated, and that's legal. So um, what they want, though, is they want, they want Illinois to be the 50th state to allow concealed carry, and they think that w- that is imminent, that it will happen. That's so interesting. It almost, it seems like a workaround in a way, but of course that is, that is legal to have a gun with bullets separate, I guess, on your person. Yes, I I talked to, uh, I emailed uh, Mike Metzler, who's the chief of the Muhammad Police Department, just to be sure on that, and he said, indeed, that is true. That's so interesting. Well, some people might think that gun rights advocates are people who support uh, more broad, uh, I suppose, looser restrictions in terms of where a person can, can carry a gun, might be okay with passing the deadline by June 9th without having legislation, because there is a legal argument that if nothing is done by that deadline, there's going to be no restriction on where people can carry guns in public. But you found that there was somewhat of a more, um, somewhat more support for passing some kind of law by June the 9th. Yes. Right. Yeah. The people that we talked to, they want they wanted something passed. I'm not sure that they really anticipated that it would be, that there would be something that would happen before then. But several of the people that we talked to had uh, permits to carry, concealed carry in other states and just didn't have one in Illinois. So one of their big issues is that they wanted to be able to legally do that in their home state. You kind of have no ambiguity in that sense. Right. right. Absolutely. Um, in terms of what what's the incentive for gun owners and people who are supportive of gun rights to have a concealed carry law passed? Why, why were they supportive of having a law for Illinois? We didn't delve too deeply into that, but I think uh, if I read between the lines, um, it's it's about civil rights and about the Second Amendment and and believing that they did say, we asked them about public safety because it came up as a concern. And we said, what's your relationship between yourself as a gun owner who can who wants to be able to carry a loaded gun and police, which are another group that promote safety. And one of the gentlemen told us, you know, that we're a police officer's best friend. We have a gun. We we practice. We know how to use it. We're there when a crime happens. We want to be able to defend ourselves, our loved ones, and people in the public. And, you know, we're there first. And so that's sort of how they saw those two 
themselves intersecting with the police and public safety. And concealed carry would let them do that. Of course, uh, talking about guns recently, it's hard not to discuss uh, some very public shootings that have happened that have really affected media coverage around firearms recently, specifically Newtown, Massachusetts, which it's very hard not to think about when we're talking about gun ownership and concealed carry law. Uh, Did Newtown come up when you were speaking to members of the organization? Well, yes, we did ask them about that. And um, we we got several different responses. Um, They do, the people we talked to do support teachers having guns in the classroom. Um, I asked under what circumstances would that be? And basically, uh, the response from one gentleman was the same as the right to vote. You need to be 18 and you need to be a U.S. citizen. You should be allowed to carry a gun in the classroom. I asked about training um, in terms of that, and they didn't feel limitations such as that would be necessary. And which is interesting because their organization, Gun Safe Life, focuses a lot on training and safety. And we asked, for example, if someone wanted to own a gun, you know, what's the first thing you would tell them? And in addition to getting their permit, they talked about taking gun safety classes. Right. And one of the really interesting things that uh, one of the guys we were talking with, he said, when we asked him that question, he said, well, we trust teachers to take care of our kids all day and we trust them to shape young minds. So why wouldn't we trust them to have the ability to protect our children if they needed to? Which I hadn't really considered that before and thought it was an interesting perspective on that issue. Absolutely. Um, Well, as members of the media who are coming to speak to gun owners, I mean, there's been something of uh, a strained relationship recently between uh, people involved in the media and and people who are uh, Second Amendment absolutists, so to speak, or people who really do support gun rights. How did you find them to be in terms of their reception of you as reporters? I think when we when we got there, they were a little bit suspicious, and I think maybe they're. If you don't feel you're well represented, you're automatically going to be suspicious. And so I think they had a lot of concerns about there are groups of people who are gun owners, the people who have guns illegally, who don't use them properly and aren't trained. And then they said, but we're the gun owners who um, have been through these safety courses, have all the legal paperwork that we need to have in order to carry a gun. And so they really resented the redneck stereotype, and they really felt that they'd been lumped into that category. Right. They said in the media do a really bad job of portraying the average gun owner in the U.S., that this idea of being macho, um, you know, the idea of being a redneck, they were, they wanted us to know that the almost 200 people that were at their meeting last night are, you know, educated, they are teachers, they are doctors, they are farmers, and they wanted us to know that. And they they said um, the media really do not help in terms of people's understanding. Um, and they talked about, you know, statistics. They gave us some statistics, and I, I checked them to see if they were accurate. And one of the things they said was, and they said, you don't get this in the media, is that, you know, gun violence, gun homicide, firearm-related homicide has gone down since 1993. And that's actually true, Chris. I looked. There was a study released on Tuesday, two studies, one from the Pew Research Center, another from the Federal Bureau of, of Statistics, and it says that more than 7,000 fewer firearms-related homicides in 2011 than in 1993. Mm. And the Pew Research Center found that only 12% of Americans today believe that the gun crime rate is lower today than it was in 1993. So there is a big difference in what actually is happening and what people think is happening. Right. I suppose and the big challenge is when you hear about something like Newtown that is so public and so present that we do uh, we are talking more about gun violence, and I guess that's probably why we uh, we don't know about those numbers. 
Exactly. And of course, these big mass shootings that are so awful, they capture the interest, they get lots of media coverage, um, as they should. Um, another thing that, that uh, and there still are a lot of firearms-related uh, deaths. I mean, there's more than 31,000 every year. Another interesting thing, Chris, I found out that most of these deaths are suicides. Six out of 10 firearms-related deaths are stems from suicide. Right. It's interesting. Did you get a sense of uh, I, I know that we had talked before and you'd said that this group has seen a big spike in membership since January. Did you get a sense that that was related to Newtown or, or what the reason was that there are more people joining an organization like Gun Save Lives? Um, well, they said there had been about a fifth. They almost doubled their membership since then. And we didn't ask him why, but there they had some really interesting things to say just about the controversy and how um, – the people that were at the meeting wanted to be represented for the people that they are and not the people that they're perceived to be. So I'm not sure if that had something to do with it, but I could see it definitely being, I mean, reading between the lines, I think I could definitely see it being a part of it. So we had a conversation. We talked to five people before the meeting started. Then the, then I came back and, and listened to the meeting. It was about a two-hour meeting. There were, I, there were about 200 people there, uh, mostly men, uh, mostly with gray hair, uh, looked like mostly white. Uh, there were about 10% women, and there were some children there. So that, that was who seemed to be there last night. Well, we have these community conversations once a month with different organizations throughout uh, the area that we cover at WILL. Um, and Kimberly, I mean, if someone is part of an organization and they think that a community conversation would be uh, something that they should participate in, I mean, how do they reach out to WILL? That's right. They can email me at chronic at illinois.edu. That's K-R-A-N-I-C-H at illinois.edu. And these are always valuable for us because they help us kind of set the priorities about what we're covering in our newsroom and let us know about what people are, are really thinking. So uh, Kimberly Chronic, Lindsay Moon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, thank Chris. You. You're listening to The Afternoon Magazine on WYLL.